Okay, guys. Um, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is episode two of the Gundog Notebook. Oh, let me close my door. I'm in the studio. All right. It's like part studio and uh, actually it's all studio, but uh, I kind of use it for multiple purposes. All right. Say hello to Ruger. Um, you know, Ruger just turned one uh, recently. He just turned one. And uh, good boy. There. Yeah. So Ruger just turned one. I just put him on the couch, let him kind of chill out a little bit. Um, he's moving around too much. My art room is dirty, so we might have to kind of shift him out. But um, I just want to open up this episode with a few updates, a few, um, honestly, reflections on my gratitude, and also publicly say happy birthday to Mr. Polish Ruger over here. It's his whole name. And, uh, you know, he's a year old, okay? He's a year old. And this dog here has definitely been, you know, the best gun dog. I mean, the best dog, actually, and despite gun dog, just the best dog I've ever had. And uh, I'm really proud of him. So I want to say that um, he's inspired me to get up and do what I do, honestly. You know, um, so that's what I also want to do. Um, also, some more updates. I wanted to throw out some more thank yous aside from my dog. Um, starting first and foremost, I do need to thank the Lord because none of this would have happened and all of my ambitions and dreams and things like that would not have been, uh, it just wouldn't have happened without, you know, gratitude and faith in what I'm doing. A very, very strong faith. And through all of this, it's gotten stronger, better. And, um, you know, I kind of know that everything is going to work out. I just know it. And so that's first and foremost, aside from that, um, I need to thank my wife to be future wife. I like to call her my wife. I, I, I hate all that extra. Um, in about a year, year's time in October, uh, 2018, we'll be married. So why wait, you know, um, I hate to put them out, but my studio, I dropped a bunch of uh, color pencil shavings on the ground, and I, I don't need a whole nother case. So I'll clean that up. That's my fault. But also, the rest of the thank yous, um, I want to thank my recent client, Carmen. If she's listening, I hope she is. But I want to thank my recent client, Carmen, for letting me train her dog, Abby. Um, Abby spent two weeks with me on some basic obedience and training and she was definitely an interesting dog but she definitely uh challenged me in a lot of different ways but we were successful Carmen's happy um sent her back up to uh Nashville Tennessee she stayed with us here in Jonesboro for about a, about two weeks and it it worked out you know it definitely worked out so I'm happy about that also um Ashley's godmom, Auntie CJ, who, well, that's my godmom now. Um, Auntie CJ got me introduced. I mean, she's two for two on connections and, and helping me, you know, do what I'm called to do in life. But she introduced me to Miss Tammy Parker, who I met today, who I also want to publicly thank, um, who works at 
a uh, veterinary clinic. And I mean, that has just been, that has been great. Today was awesome. I learned a lot more about kind of what I'm doing, the direction I'm going with my dog training business and some more specifics, but also I, uh, I'm going to be doing some volunteer work up there. So again, a public thank you, uh, uh, a real, real, real public thank you to Auntie CJ and Miss Tammy Parker for getting me the opportunity um, to do some volunteer work, do some more things, kind of kind of get me on my feet a little bit. It's the West Georgia Spay and Neuter Clinic. Um, and probably once a month, what we're thinking, I'll go up there and do some some work for my dog training certification. And I just, that conversation was great. We had a lunch and I'm, I'm more inspired than ever to keep this thing, you know, up and floating. Um, Adobe Okoro, again, thank you. She's just, that's a hell of a friend there. I mean, that is a really, really, really good friend. And she has continued to just pitch ideas and throw us this and throw us that as much as she personally can. And you know, she's just doing it off the love. And I, I mean, I, I want to thank her publicly as well. Um, Austin Weinberg from Gundog headquarters. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm just glad to see that connections happen. And that's the benefit of social media guys. Um, if you use it right, there are so many countless limitless possibilities in meeting people that you never would have met before. I mean, he's all the way up in Wisconsin and We've been chit-chatting. He's got a, a, a gorgeous Weimaraner that he's getting ready for hunting season. A little baby, 11 months, if, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what he said. Um, but at the Gundog headquarters, and I wrote my first article on the benefits of positive reinforcement training um, for dogs. Not even just Gundogs, but all dogs. And uh, so that's on gundogheadquarters.com. And if you look me up, look up Red Clay Canine Training in the uh, tips and tricks area. And you'll see it, okay? I got quite a few reads, too. That's kind of cool. Um, he, he gave me an update the other day, so that's pretty good. Um, I met a new friend, Dylan Janelle, uh, the other day. Again, just he hit me up, and at the time, uh, I guess a, an acquaintance of his, a buddy of his, was I reached out to purchase a uh, German shorthair pointer before I got my lab. It was between a lab and a German shorthair, and... Um, at the time, it, it just wasn't right, but then Dylan followed up with me literally a year later, and uh, we just got to talking about dogs, and I mean, this is the beginning of a very, very, very fun uh, fun relationship, and Dylan seems like somebody else that, you know, I can I can bug and, and speak to about dogs, but he's a good dude. Um, I mean, I had to cut the conversation short last time because I was, I was walking into the house, but I'm I'm definitely gonna get him give him a call back. Uh, he messaged me today, and I need to respond back. I'm just now getting settled, but I'm gonna try and get him on a podcast too. That'll be fun. That'll be really fun. And um, Macamo Kennels, you know, I want to shout out to them. They just uh, went to a dog supply and pet expo up in Denver, uh, Denver, Colorado, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, those guys are really good. I mean, I, I got a lot of advice from them too, and a lot of suggestions. It just updates you know i'm always i'm a student guys um i'm a i'm a student of what we do and i mean it doesn't matter how good i ever get with this i consider myself a student and these guys 
uh, Amber and David Donahue, they, I mean, they're just great. I'm working on getting them in the podcast too. I think they're a little busy right now. So, you know, that time will come. Um, but they're some good folks. And um, I think that's it as far as my thank yous and shout outs. Um, there will be more. And if I forgot you, if you're listening to the podcast and I forgot you, trust me, just just give me a buzz and say, hey, Darrell, stop being a jerk. You know, come on now, get your life right. And I, and I promise you I will. But it's too many people in, in at this point in time that have helped me out to remember. And I'm not saying that as a bad way. I'm saying that out of gratitude. You know, everybody just, that I've come into contact with and interaction with, you know, has just been awesome just been great. So I want to uh, publicly thank any and everybody who I haven't already um, or have already. I, I just want to, you know, double my thank yous. Okay. So you know, I, I got to start my, start my podcast off in, in my very derail kind of way, you know, with just how I'm opening this thing up and, you know, what we're doing. So I am starting, and and this will all make sense in a second, but I am starting my podcast openers, just letting you guys know, us art folks, we like to, you know, have a a nice fine drink every so often, but I really, I really want to open up by saying I'm, I'm loving the idea of the finer things and things like that, so maybe starting off with a bottle of wine or something like that, or a good whiskey, um, recommendation. That's kind of one of my little extras that I like to throw in there and it just sounds cool. Um, I feel like I know what I'm doing. So, uh, today I am starting off with a, with an Italian Remoulet, uh, Toscana. Uh, it's a 2011. Okay. And it should be a pretty nice bottle. Um, it wasn't, wasn't, terribly overpriced or anything like that but I had it before I had another bottle before just to kind of try it out it was good it was good it was very good actually this bottle is a little older Um, I wanted to save it for an occasion like a podcast but in lieu of drinking wine and having a conversation uh, hopefully at this point I'm not having a conversation with myself but even still it makes me feel good I want to today talk about uh, Covey Rises, the Covey Rise magazine. They have a feature entitled The Master of Color and Light, and they are the feature is on the watercolorist Arthur Shieldstone um, as he creates a sense of place that connects the subject and the viewer. Well, I want to talk about that, and I also want to talk about some of the sporting dog work that I do and how it all kind of correlates um, sporting dog work that I do and how I guess how it all correlates into the grander greater scheme of this whole life and dogs and training and guns and shotguns and fine gun here and all of this stuff Um, I have really 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 grown to love you know love this thing that I've gotten myself into and, you know, just going about it and just learning more. And what I've learned is that, um, you know, art and and sporting dogs and the sporting life, it's like they are hand, they go hand in hand, which is crazy to me. Um, you know, at, at the moment and, 
you know, for the longest time, I have been working on a uh, on representation from the Bill Lowe Gallery, and it's a top tier gallery here in Atlanta. But I also uh, work on some watercolors and illustrations and things like that of sporting dog work. So I've got these two bodies of work that are very similar in concept, but very different in aesthetic. And Covey Rise generally does like an artistic feature towards the end. So it's, if, if you have it, it's the Covey Rise June, July 2017 issue. I was supposed to do this a while back, but it just is time. So on page 76, it starts and it goes for a few pages to page 83. So, I mean, it's a, it's a very good read. And I just kind of wanted to talk about some of his work in addition to some of my own and just how this all relates and why we all do this. Um, as far as connecting art and, and dogs and, and the life, it's it's a very romantic thing, is what I'm seeing. I mean, and every and it boils down everything. I mean, even the gun. It's nice to have all the cool tactical weapons and this and that and zombie apocalypse. That hey, I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead. I love it, but this this is different. This is more. Um, you know, this is more your high-end, high-quality, um, not to say that all guns are, are not high-quality, but this is just a different aesthetic. You know, I look at, you know, like the Beretta videos on YouTube and all kinds of stuff like that, and just to see how these guys are making work, you know, these guns, these fine guns, Purdy's and Holland Hollands, you know, and all that stuff, and that stuff really, really intrigued me. So, just going back to it, you know, my relation to all of this, you know, I went to school in Albany, Georgia. I went to Albany State University. And every so often I would go and see these, at the time, what I thought were really, really boring uh, hunting dog photos. We just, you know, the, you know, what I'm talking about the traditional, uh, you know, dog and quail up in the air and the dog's on point. And, you know, it's very, it's a landscape. It's very, uh, mundane and covered you know and I didn't really think much about it which is crazy because I just never associated the two and I'd always wanted to hunt and I always loved dogs but something about that didn't do it until I started doing a little bit more research and I was like wow this is great and I didn't and at the time I don't think I necessarily appreciated the environment that I was in you know and, and if I did I probably would have been been started this a long time ago and that and maybe there was a reason in a time why I didn't everything happens at the right time and that goes back to say you know everything in the universe conspires to work for you so the watercolorist Arthur Shillstone I'm looking through these pieces and a lot of them are look like uh fly fishers fly fishermen um you know in some of these portraits he's got one called the woodcock hunter and um, he's got some more. This is a boxing ring at Saturday night at the America's Hotel. There's a lot of illustrations, um, a lot of drawing, which which really does it for me. But he, uh, so he was in, he was an artist. He was born in 1922 um, into a wealthy community, Essex County, New Jersey. Um, spent his early childhood you know, doing some bash fishing, uh, upland game hunting, duck hunting, waterfowl, um, being a sportsman. He started drawing 
is inspired by his high school uh, art teacher to do commercial illustration. He went to Pratt Institute in 1941. Um, he was also, but I think what really did it was World War II. He was a part of that. And he started illustrating, you know, illustrating a lot of those scenes and, and looking up some of his work. First of all, just the amount of detail in these war scenes, the drawings, for them to be just pen and ink illustrations. I mean, that's great. He's got this one in uh, Trevier's France in uh, June 1944 as a soldier, and he was documenting it on location, capturing the fleeting moments of war through a soldier's eyes. And the question was, was he, was he, is, is he still considered a soldier at, you know, as he was being an artist? So you've got all of these, this, this buildup of time and history and um, efficiency, honestly, as, as great as these drawings are, what I do notice as a common trend is the speed in which um, these drawings and paintings are executed. And no, they don't necessarily look like 100 miles an hour. Now, the black and white illustrations do. There's a certain sense of immediacy and urgency that go on in these in these drawings that uh, that I think are just natural to the circumstances that he would have been uh, involved in, and so that cap that captivates me. A lot of the times, you know, you don't necessarily have cameras and things like that, so capturing these moments off memory and observation that's key, and I think that's something that's lost a lot of the times. Um, and the work that we do in 2017. I mean, we've got cameras and things like that, but also just the vibrancy in color. You know, just just how well controlled these colors are, how vibrant they are, how they switch from warm to cold, um, how quickly they switch, and it's still efficient. You know, and just how natural these folks look in their settings. I mean, this guy was great. And I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time, but I, I had just life got in the way and, it, and I had to kind of push back recording this episode for a quick second. Um, but w one image that captivated me was this grouse photo that he has. And... Uh, it, it's one I'm assuming it was a an illustration for a book by uh, Henry David Thoreau's Walden Life in the Woods. Um, he did some work for Alfred Hitchcock, and it's just it's a it's a very simple image of an axe. You know, kind of the the point, the tip, the upper part of it is dug into a tree stump. And there's these three grouse. One of them sitting on the handle of the axe. And it's just quiet, and it's only maybe at most three, four colors. But I mean, just the the tranquility of it. But it's a very, you know, what I get from the photo. It's a very tranquil photo. I like the fact that it's done with three birds. Um, the number three does a lot for me personally. But also, there's a certain violence to it, with it being with it at the same time of it being so mundane. And that's interesting to me because, I mean, at the end of the day, as a hunter, we go looking for these grouse. We're going to kill it. You know, we're going to harvest it if you, you don't like the word kill it. But that's that's going to happen. 
And but in in this scenario, it's very peaceful. It's very very peaceful, and it's respectful, and that means a lot to me. You know, I don't as as all as hunters do. I'm pretty sure. I don't want this hunting thing to be taken as, oh, you just out there shooting birds. And no, there is an art to this. There really is an art to it. And it's funny that the art reflects the art of what it is that we're doing. Hold on. Pour some wine. Hold on. Okay. So, sorry, y'all. I'm terrible at multitasking. But there, it first of all, the amount of control held within a few blacks, a few grays, a few browns. Mm-mm. That doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen very often. And to be able to have that much control in an immediate fashion is unprecedented. You also got to think, I'm pretty sure the way it looks, a lot of these were drawn on the spot, like I said before. So to be able to catch a grouse and to be able to catch that tranquility in the scene and that perfection and accuracy in the hand out in the middle of the woods is that, 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 that's awesome. That's amazing. And that is the reason why I do what I do now. He's got these other two images, one of a boat, and it's on page 83 of Covey Rise, but he's got this one on a boat, these uh, two gentlemen, it's a lot of greens. Let me tell you something. I hate to use the color green. I do. I hate it. <laughs> I can use it. I know how to use it. But green is a very, very, very hard color to control and maintain. And to get the depths of it, the, the blues that are set within the shadows, the yellows that, that allude to the sunlight and that, that kind of, you know, work their way into the landscape, that's classic, okay? And again, it goes back to that immediacy and tranquility, okay? Um, this gun dog photo... This gun dog photo is classic. I do not own a pointing dog, but this photo here makes me want to go out and buy one right now. Now, we talk about fine guns and fine dogs and things like that. I am going to one day purchase a either an Italian gun dog, Brocco Italiano. Thanks to Ron Bain for talking them up so much on the Hunting Dog Podcast. Shout out there. I get all of my information from there. But I'm either going to get me an Italian gun dog, a Brocco Italiano. Or I'm going to get me a French gun dog, a Brock Diavorn. I hope I said that right. I'm trying to be all fancy. I hope I said it right. One of those dogs. And it's looking like it's going to that Brock Diavorn. Um, but th this photo here makes me want to go get one right now. Rit nah. So, and it's not even just the dogs. I mean, the points are pretty in the photo, but it is the colors. It is the colors. It, that, that's doing something for me, and it motivates me to do the same in my work. Um, 
I had like a like an epiphany in my work, um, and I'll talk about that in a second. I don't want to, you know, impede it, but you know, these photos and and I'm not trying to discount the other photos that are in it, um, the additional ones, but I kind of want to kind of emphasize the outdoorsy kind of photos because they they they're doing something for me and we and we talk about this idea of romanticism right this and going back to the art words it is you know sporting life and hunting and art they identify with this very romantic rural lifestyle that i have just dreamed of for a long time born and raised in the city of atlanta grew up in greenbrier or uh you know born early childhood in greenbrier uh, if anybody knows about Greenbrier, you get the idea. And I grew up in Riverdale, Georgia, which is the suburbs, but it's real close to, you know, a lot of open land and things like that. Went to private school my whole childhood. And I saw a lot of my friends in their houses and this lifestyle that their parents would carry. And that did something for me. I just, I, I'd always seen this, this, the idea of this 40 acre and a mule type deal. And I want that. I want to speak that into existence. I want to speak that, you know, speak my ambitions into life. And I'm learning this thing off, off listening to Oprah and our super soul sessions. Thank you to Ashley <laughs> for getting me on that podcast. But I want, you know, the artwork that, that, that I do. I want it to reflect those ideals and that passion and that uh, that drive to get to that type of tranquility in life. You know, pretty soon I'm going to have a family. I mean, like a whole family, like a wife and then a few years down the road, kids. And I hope my kids listen to this one day and be like, Dad achieved, you know, what he was going for. I want to be able to continue to make art about these things, make abstract work, but also make these images of the sporting life, particularly sporting dogs, because I'm, I'm, I'm so fascinated and intrigued by them. Other folks' dogs, too. But I want to be able to do that and do it in a way that accurately depicts this, what I might even call a classic American life. Which is the black version of it, <laughs> whatever that means. To be able to articulate those dreams and ambitions through the work that I do, that is what I'm aiming for. To be able to articulate my dreams and thoughts and efforts and the, the, the training every day dub opener that's coming up, waterfowl season, big game hunting, deer hunting, whatever whatever it is that I go out and do, when I do to start to build this house and, you know, build this, uh, this landscape, if you want to call it that, to be able to build that and, and say I did it and to be able to monument, I mean, uh, document and memorialize these 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 images and these time periods through my work. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm so fascinated with 
you know, these watercolor pieces and other aspects of sporting art. You know, I didn't even know that, like, duck stamps, the federal duck stamps, there's a whole art competition behind that that I am going to be entering next year, the 2018 one. I just need to get some authentic photos in order to be able to do that. You know, that there's something about that that you cannot beat. You can't beat it. So, you know, I say all of that to say sporting art, it just identifies to me with this very, very romantic lifestyle. And I tell you, I'm trying to I'm trying to use this as an avenue to continue my career in art and to separate myself from a career in education, not out of disdain, but out of hard work and gratitude. Not because I got fired, not because I hate it. No, I'm not trying to go about it like that. What I want to do is create a life of authenticity, create a colorful life like these paintings, and create artwork through this means to develop and solidify and memorialize my legacy and my family's legacy, like starting from my granddaddy. And continuing with my kids and my descendants. You know, just to go in today, just to go in today to the uh, spay and neuter clinic, so many ideas running through my head about, you know, what those images look like in, in this life. And I'm, you know, I just sat there and I was like, man, like I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer to doing what I said I was going to do, what I'm saying I'm going to do right now. I'm getting closer. And, you know, I'm looking at these dogs and all kinds of stuff like that, and I'm like, wow, like I'm learning another skill. I'm about to start learning another skill that is going to benefit this colorful life that I'm trying to construct. You want to talk about being a creator? That starts with creating the life that you see. Because it's very doable. And honestly, I'm bold enough to say I don't really care where you at in the world. Although you may face adversity in all kinds of forms. You can definitely, definitely, definitely create a life that you want to see and live. I'm pretty sure you can do it. And if you can't, all the time that you got on this planet and on this earth, you need to be trying to do it regardless. You know, I look at my mom, Chandra Price, who passed away when I was 12 in 2000, uh, 2002. You know, 
I look at that time and I look at that woman I see and I, all I see is a very hard worker for the life that she anticipated living prior to her death. I mean, I'm sorry, before her death. And that that means something to me. I, I look at my granddad, E.W., and, you know, he... He's a he's he's well and kicking right now. You know what I'm saying? It's seventy, I think he's seventy seven right now. I think I could get fact checked, but I think he's seventy seven. So sits back in his backyard, gated. My grandma's going through dementia right now, and so you know she's got her thing going on. He takes very good care of her, looks after her. And I had a conversation with my granddad, and he was just like, you know, I got no regrets. I'm happy with the life that I have lived and am living now. Retired, whole house paid for, all kinds of stuff like that. That's what I want to be able to say. And I want to be able to say it sooner. Way sooner. You know, it, it's going to mean a lot to me when I can sit back and say, I got no regrets. I got this pretty Labrador over here. Hunting with me for some time, some years. Maybe a pup running around somewhere. And I got this nice studio. I got a like, real nice art studio. And all I'm doing is the same thing my granddaddy's doing. Go to your backyard, sit back, and just chill. Just kick it. You know, turn on some Cabernet or something like that and just kind of let it ride. Just... Enjoy life. My wife is in good health. My kids are good and running around, and maybe they're artists, and I've trained up the kids to be good gun dog owners and hunters and stuff like that. And then I just turn around, I look at Ashley, and I just say, you know, we good. When I'm saying that, we sitting in front of a gorgeous masterpiece of mine, in whatever form it may be. And I mean, even now, like getting started with this dog training business and knowing how that's flowing and learning it and having this, you know, it's like having this new baby. And you, you're molding it. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it is a total sponge to whatever you put into it. But most of what you need to put into it is good, genuine, authentic energy. Some financial smarts and common sense. 
common sense to do what's natural for you to do. And so this business has been going, has been just growing naturally, but I'm still trying to make it into another work of art, like another masterpiece. It's no different than a painting. It's actually the same as these gundog paintings that I'm doing because, again, it, I mean, it's around the subject of a gundog, of course, but also I'm molding it to respond and do things how I want it to do. And still doing what makes sense to do with it. Just going naturally and learning and grow and learning from it on my own end. You know, during the process of making art and making these paintings, you know, even when you're doing a dog, it's very synonymous to growth. I mean, you sit here and you watch this creature form on the page. You got to be very careful, like illustration and hand drawing. And I'm so glad I got back into drawing with my hands instead of sculpting and assembling paintings, if that makes any sense. The technical aspects of creating a work of art, be it a watercolor and illustration, um, hell, a quick sketch, I mean, anything. The idea that you can... Uh, Create this this recreation of another living being, and this time put your energy into it to reflect the ideas and the thoughts and the dreams that you have in life. And it's you this time though you can ninety five percent of that painting you can make it do what you want it to do. The other 5% of it is the evolution after, you know, the time you've been working on it. So the more time you put into it, the more it's going to grow and it's going to take on its own personality in addition to what you're putting into it. It's very interesting how that situation works when you're doing these, um, these paintings. Even nature, when you're like crafting nature in a painting, when you're drawing it, when you're using paint, pushing the colors around certain ways, like you, you let it take on its own spirit, just like nature has. I got this one painting I'm looking at right now in the studio. It's, it was supposed to be, or not supposed to be, it is, um, a drawing it, it looks for the most part kind of like a continuous line drawing but it's more of a gesture drawing and i've taken a snapshot of out of a video that uh was you know where i was being recorded hunting i got the gun in the air and it was ruger's first hunt and you know in the scene the dog of the scene the little puppy who was really ruger uh is like looking up at me i'm looking down at him the gun's in the air and i got this orange jacket on orange hat and it, the, the background is still very abstract right now. It's just a bunch of colors right now. And I have yet to finish that work because the na the nature aspect of uh, the nature aspect of it, I haven't quite formulated how to piece together. Although I have plenty of ideas. 
I feel like the nature of a painting, the nature in a painting, the literal and figurative word nature, the meanings of it, uh, should grow. I feel like they should grow. And if it's not there, and, you know, it's not something that is authentic, is not going to take on the the spirit of nature and whatever you can put into it is kind of stagnant. And so right now my work is kind of stagnant, but you know, pretty soon I, I feel like I'm going to go ahead and piece it together. And I, you know, of course I'll talk about it a little bit later on, but you know, all in all, with all of that being said, I think just this new venture that I'm in, in the sporting dog art world, and the ability to capture a dog's spirit and energy and do so in a way that still is reflective of your hand and developing that consistency, you know, I, I think it's just a very interesting venture. And so I got this other piece. Um, I, I think I'm just going to be obvious and go ahead and title it Model Americans in his house my drawings and it has model american written right across the top makes sense so in it and of course you can find it on my website um i'll put it up and you can also find it on my website store of course please buy it um and if you don't i don't care because it's really good and i don't keep it anyway so ah anyway so it's a, you know, Labrador is Ruger and he's got this scarf, my, my, uh, American flag bandana going around his neck and, uh, you know, it's, it's real colorful, it's kind of active and all stuff. It's kind of looking off to the side, right? Behind it, the background is the brushstrokes of an American flag. And he's a central figure at the bottom of my signature there and it's like splashes of grass, of grass like right around it, right? Well... It's interesting, today I showed it to uh, Miss Tammy at the vet clinic, and she was like, wow, like, this is really good, especially for the timing, and people really like that. And I just, I interpreted that as, you know, good for the time. Honestly, to think about what's going on in the governmental and political world, I just think that that painting, Model American, I think it just exemplifies the ideal of what we need right now. And I put Ruger as a superstar of the work, but it's not necessarily I'm saying Ruger needs to be the president. No, what I'm saying is I really, really think that Ruger's character and his spirit and his happiness and willingness to cooperate and work with you and willingness to work hard especially at so young and everything that I think about my dog, I think his energy and essence is exemplary of what we could use right now to be a model American in American society. I really think so. And I look at that drawing all the time and I am so proud that I completed it. It's just, it's so, it's so me, but it's so Ruger. And that bandana is my favorite part about it because it just, 
for me, it's just reflective of the outlaw nature of America, especially right now. Not to say out all you know outlaws do messed up stuff all the time. No, what I'm saying is that bandana. It goes back to the idea of what is being an American, like not just because of the flag, but just bandana around your neck, that cowboy feel kind of sort of yeah. But it feels handmade. Like I always talk about. You know, built from the ground up. When I talk about my training business, it that flag feels built from the ground up. It's kind of my ideal of being an American. Like, yo, like you can craft the dream that you want to live in. Now you got to give it some time, but you can build it. You know, you can develop it. You can, you know, it's rough. You know, I I, I like like rough guns, like old double guns and, and stuff like that, and Berettas and stuff, because it, it is very authentic and is very uh, well-crafted. They're durable, they're efficient, and they built. Like, they, they built. They're handmade. Even a lot of American guns, like I like revolvers because they are, they feel handmade, they feel built, they work. Even Ruger, like when I gave him his name, Ruger, Polish Ruger, I noticed it was, you know, in his pedigree that he had grandparents named Polish Ruger. Um, looking at his pedigree, but my first gun was a Ruger, a Ruger LCRX revolver, 38 uh, plus P. And so, you know, the first gun I learned how to shoot was a Smith & Wesson, my granddaddy's uh, Smith & Wesson, which I'm trying to buy from him this year in October, that'll be cool. Um, and, you know, his retirement gun, which was a, a, a Ruger, uh, 357 and you know it just those guns I learned how to shoot on them at an early age and it just felt solid you know so I wanted all of that to reflect the the idea of Americanism like it's solid it's built you know so and I've got this like kind of hazy thing, hazy cold thing going on in the background of another one of my drawings. Um, it's, two, it's a dog looking the other one. They're standing next to each other in the left corner. And it's like, I don't know, I like it. Like It's, it's cool. It's got this haze to it in the background that I think I'm going to start incorporating in the rest of my work. You know, from this point forward. I start like illuminating the dog with this like gray line around it. Kind of like a cartoon I want you to know it's an illustration. Like I really wanted to feel drawn, but with a sophistication of perfection or, you know, perfection of my hand. So, you know, that's kind of what I like about these, these sporting dog illustrations. Like they, you can, you put a certain nature into them. You know, these artists that I'm looking at, they, 
really, really, really get down with uh, you know, capturing the nature and the environment that they see and like really reflecting on it. They seem like meditative. They they have this allure about it. I kind of want that with mine. So anyway, um, like I said, watercolors, Arthur Shieldstone. Go check them out. I can get all art nerdy on you. I can keep this going too. But um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Um, I also saw last thing Gordon Setters and the the. The uh, new Gundog magazine, uh, September 2017 issue, volume 36, number five. Bruh, like, go check them out. That is a pretty dog. Anywho, let me, uh, let me get up off of here. I think I covered everything that I wanted to, guys. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed it. And I'm always game to talk about you know, anything art, history, and, you know, hunting dogs and, you know, really pretty guns and quality guns and all kinds of shooting culture and artwork and, you know, all of that stuff, guys. I'm always game to talk about that, okay? I'm a bit of a history geek when it comes to stuff like that. And that's cool. It's whatever. All right. Um, my closing thoughts, I kind of wanted to, oh yeah, that's what it was. So yeah, I'm going to be doing some volunteer work at the, uh, vet clinic in West Georgia, spay and neuter. And that's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be pretty, pretty, pretty cool. I'll let you know how that goes. Today was very enlightening. Um, and then the dove opener on September 2nd. It's going down. Ruger's first dove hunt. We got him on one of them docking doves with the scent stick the other day. Got some gun dogs fly. And, uh, yeah. Ashley's gonna be there too. Not shooting up. And she's just going to hang out with me, which is cool. I actually really appreciate that. But, uh, yeah. So, aside from that, guys, pretty, pretty good episode. That was fun. And check in with me next time. Go check out the website, rayclayk9training.com. Um, that's, that's Ruger. He, he doesn't want to leave you guys. Y'all heard him whining. And, uh, yeah, happy birthday to Ruger once more this past Saturday. Or happy belated, I should say. All right, guys. Y'all have a good one. Signing out.